the Bible Study Podcast, episode 237. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 1 Samuel with chapter 17. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Today, we're going to be dealing with a familiar story, probably the most familiar story from 1 Samuel, and that's the story of David and Goliath. Now, before we go into that story, remember that David was a shepherd boy, the youngest of a number of sons, the sons of Jesse, but he has already been anointed by Samuel as the next king, unbeknownst to Saul. And then Saul has drafted David into his service to play the lyre to soothe Saul's spirit. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes, diamond between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley at Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels on his legs. He wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His sword-bearer went on ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him... You will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. This chapter says that Goliath was a tall man, roughly nine feet nine inches, if you do the conversion from cubits how we believe it to be. And he's wearing armor and a spear and basically going out as a champion. And the role of a champion was that basically we might be able to settle this with personal combat instead of a battle. And so Goliath goes out and he taunts the Israelites and says, basically, let's settle this with personal combat between me and the man of your choosing. Which all sounds great unless the man of their choosing happens to be over nine feet tall. And so Saul and all the Israelites are afraid to take him up on this challenge. But then we get David, starting in verse 12. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David gets sent basically to bring provisions to his brothers and to his brother's unit. 
because they're not all that far away from home. This is not a big country. And so they've been fighting, as Jesse says, for 40 days, but really they've been staring at each other for 40 days while they're being taunted by this giant Goliath. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines, shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now, it's interesting as David hears this, David is offended. Now, maybe some others are offended, but David doesn't yet seem to be afraid. David is interested to know what will happen if he is able to defeat Goliath, because he's thinking of himself at this point. But he also doesn't say the armies of Saul. In his mind, these are the armies of the living God, and he is, therefore, even though he is not a soldier here, these are the soldiers of the living God that are being defied. And this is, therefore, God that is being defied and not just the Israelites. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the man, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? Then he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And that's where David puts his trust. David puts his trust in God, which is good because Saul's right. David's just a kid. David is just a young man. He hasn't been a warrior. He doesn't know how to fight with a spear or a sword. He's just a shepherd. Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. One of the things that you have to like about David is David is confident, 
But David also knows himself. David knows what he can and cannot do. So he believes that God will give him victory over Goliath, but he also knows he's not a warrior. He knows that he's not used to the armor. He's not going to go out there dressed as someone he is not. He is trusting in God for victory, but he's not pretending to be the big warrior that Goliath is. He's just the shepherd, but the shepherd who killed the bear and the lion already. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand, He struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran over and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. So David defeats Goliath with the sling, and without even carrying a sword, he uses Goliath's own sword to behead him after he is dead. And as you can imagine, this has quite a profound effect on on both the two armies that have been facing each other for 40 days. They've been facing each other, one in triumph and the other one in fear, and that has just reversed. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sharaim road to Gath, and Ekron. When the Philistines returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man? Abner replied, as surely as you live, your majesty, I don't know. The king said, find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with David still holding the Philistine's head. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked. David said, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. One obvious lesson that the story of David and Goliath teaches us is that God on our side is more important than many other things. It's more important than, in David's case, being able to use a sword or the wearing of expensive armor. He trusted in God and was victorious. And of course, one of the reasons that this is such a favorite story is that whole David and Goliath, the whole thing of the boy against the giant. We love to root for an underdog, but David didn't see himself as an underdog. David saw himself as a servant of the living God. David did not look at the situation the way everyone else looked at the situation. 
Goliath assumed when he saw this little shepherd boy coming out towards him that he would have an easy victory. And why not? How obvious it was that he was superior, that he had more knowledge, that he had more power, that he had more strength than the shepherd boy. But as David looked at the same situation, he saw that he would have the victory because he had God on his side, and therefore he had more knowledge, more strength, and more power. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.